Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Awesome. Y'all doing okay this morning? Uh, it's funny, we're in the Sunday school series. I have never been to Sunday school, uh, but I do know a lot about Saturday school. Um, I, I wasn't raised in church, so... Y'all bear with me if this is not very Sunday school-like. Um, it's good to be with you this morning. I love your pastors. I love the team here, uh, the, the Dukes and uh, Coach Fitz. Um, is he in here? Fitz Hill, you in here? Oh, man, love these guys. And all the team here is amazing. Uh, my, my name is Seth, and I bring greetings from GLR just right down the road. And uh, my wife uh, is not here with me today, but her name is Kendra. Everybody say, hey, Kendra. She's here in spirit, okay? And uh, she, is, she is very pregnant right now, and the baby could come at any minute. So if I get a text uh, right now, I'm just going to leave in the middle of service, and y'all will just have to figure it out, okay? And, uh, but it, it's fun. I've got a picture of my son. We throw that picture of Zane up there. This is my son. He is so sweet. Y'all are saying all, but the, th- the reality is he's been eating a lot of dog food um, and dog treats. And uh, I, I told Kendra, I said, baby, if he keeps eating dog food, we're buying another kennel. And... Um, he will join our golden retriever. But I've learned a few things about when your wife is pregnant, you just, and if you have, uh, if your spouse has been pregnant, you know, you just kind of stay out of their way. Anybody agree? All the ladies said amen. Um, Joe, you agree? Right? Yeah, he's shaking his head. <laughs> uh, but I, I learned you do what they say as well. Kendra wanted some, crush, uh, some crushed ice, and our ice maker doesn't crush it, it just makes it, Okay. And uh, it was like 11.30, she rolled over, and she's like, I need crushed ice. And I was like, we don't have crushed ice, and there's nowhere open. And so I got a Ziploc bag, put ice cubes in it, and crushed it up, amen? Because I'm a man of God, and that's what we do. Um, but she has had this thing. I did not believe that it was true. It's called pregnancy brain. Has anybody heard of this? It's where pregnant... Dear God, okay. I... <laughs> don't get mad. I didn't do anything. Um, but it's, it's this thing, and, uh, and, you know, she was telling me about it, but I didn't realize it was a real thing until I witnessed it, and uh, the way I witnessed it was around Thanksgiving, uh, we both got COVID, and uh, I was running a fever, she went and got a thermometer, and she was taking my temperature, and, um, and I had this thermometer in my mouth, and I was like, man, this thing smells really funny, and um, I was like, this, and I, I realized this is Zane's thermometer, <laughs> and you know the end of the story. It was a rectal thermometer, and um, so the reason I tell you is because my family needs prayer, okay? Um, we, we don't have it together. So I want to do a little exercise with you. On the count of three, I want you to say your hometown. I just, I, I want to get familiar with you. One, two, three. Okay, I heard a lot of Little Rock. Um, what did you say, Bronson? Gusta, Gusta, Okay. Augusta, okay? All right, on the count of three, I want you to say what your hometown is known for, okay? Are you ready? You ready? One, two, three. (laughs) Hollywood. (laughs) Awesome. Well, my hometown is Jacksonville, Arkansas, just right down the the street. We're known from a couple of things. Uh, One, um, our mascot used to be the Red Devil. I'm convinced it's why I didn't get saved till college when I moved away. <laughs> and uh, we're also known for one other thing, and it's the fact that we've had freeway traffic for 40 years. Um, you know, it's a number of testing and, and many other things. But uh, we're going to talk today um, about Jesus in his hometown. And uh, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but he, he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. Um, and, and we're going to dive into a lot of scripture this morning, but before we get to Nazareth, I want you to think really quick 
Let's go on a little journey back to when you were raised. If you were to go home today, I want you to think about how you would be received by your family, by your, your community, by the teachers, by the coaches, the people you grew up with, okay? So some of y'all are thinking, I ain't trying to go back home because I'm a different person today, okay? Uh, some of you, when you would go home, you wouldn't even be recognized by the people who were around you as a child because who you were is not who you are today. Would y'all agree? And so Jesus goes home to his hometown, and these people are a little shook up by um, what he says to them. But I I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the grace of God um, because the fact that I, I can even do ministry and represent Jesus, I never thought that I could be used by him because my past is, is completely broken. And uh, I don't know if you know this this morning, but I want to say this, God uses broken people. And so if you are in here and you are discrediting yourself by something you've seen, something you've done, something you've said, something you've experienced, God still wants to use you. And today we're going to talk about that a little bit, but I'm going to pray and we're going to dive into the word. Lord, would you speak through me today? As we open your word in Luke 4, God, I pray that this this passage would come to life and that we would wake up and that we can step into who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke 4. If you want to turn there, if you've got a Bible or a cell phone, I think it's going to be on the screens behind me. Uh, Some believe that Nazareth had one uh, clean water source. Um, The reason that's important is because where there was one clean water source, it means that there couldn't be a lot of people in the community. Uh, it was a small community. There was, there was not many people around. And the reason I tell you that is because if Jesus was raised in this community, it meant that everybody probably knew about him. Um, he hadn't walked around telling everybody, I'm going to be the savior of the world. I'm the savior of the world. He, he didn't walk around with his chest poked out and, and talk about himself. But he returns back to Nazareth. And what he says in front of the people is powerful. Luke 4, 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The news spread about him throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth. Everybody say Nazareth. Where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as it was his custom. I just want to pause. I think it's really cool that even Jesus had a custom of going to a place of worship. It's really cool. Um, And then it says, he stood up to read. It's about to go down. (laughs) And he, he opens the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. It was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. What he is about to read is not a coincidence. The way that they did this in the synagogue is they read scripture in order, depending on the day that it was. And Jesus just so happened to be there on this day. And what he's about to proclaim is pretty bold. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll. Don't miss this. He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down and the eyes of everyone were fastened on him. And then he says, a drop the mic kind of phrase. And he says, sorry, I lost my place. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
So everything that you just heard me read is actually, Jesus is like, hey, it's about me. What's about to happen is what I just read out of the scroll of Isaiah. And then he goes on to tell them, and their response was, was uh, it was not one that I would expect from it being his hometown. It said that all spoke well of him, and they were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And they start saying things that were a little insulting. Isn't this Joseph's son? I love the way Mark says it. He says, isn't this the carpenter? The son of Mary, the, the brother of James, and, and, Simon, and he goes on, aren't these his sisters? And it says they took offense at him. Have you all ever been offended? I have been offended. These people were offended at Jesus and his words. Verse 28 says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and they drove him out of the town. And they took him to the brow of the hill in which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and he went on his way. I want you all to look at me. In Mark, there's a word that's used. It's only used twice in scripture. This is the way that Jesus responds to the people. It says he could not do a mighty work in this town. And then it says that, that and he marveled because of their unbelief. Everybody say marveled. marveled. If you don't know what that means, another way to say it is amazed. The way we used to say it back in the day was he was shook. Okay, like he, he was caught off guard a little bit. The only other time the word marveled was used to explain Jesus and his response was when he saw the centurion man. The centurion man needed him to heal his servant and Jesus said he had never seen faith like that before. And he marveled because of it. So you've got a man who has the utmost amount of faith, who has no reason to have faith. And then you've got a community of people gathered in a synagogue reading the word of God. And they didn't know that God's actually standing before them reading it. And they didn't believe. And he marveled at their unbelief, had every reason to believe, but did not believe. So we've got these two extremes in scripture. I just want to ask you a bold question today. When Jesus looks at your life, what is he marveled at? Is he marveled at the unbelief or is he marveled at the amount of faith that you have? These people in this town, they missed it. I was reading right before I got up here. When Jesus left the city, y'all know what he did? The first thing he did was he started casting out demons. He started doing miracles. He started healing people. So what does that mean for us? We can come to church. We can worship. We can open the word of God, and we can completely miss what God has for us if our, if our heart is not in the right place. And so I believe that God wants us to fix our eyes on him. You know, when we get too casual with Jesus, this happens to us. The first thing, I've got a few thoughts about becoming too familiar. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't get too familiar, okay? If you're alone, just tell yourself, say, I don't need to get familiar, okay? The first thing I wrote down was familiarity can blind you with pride. Anybody ever known somebody who's prideful? If you don't, there's a guy on stage that has struggled with this his whole life, okay? If you know someone who's prideful, maybe you've checked them on it. You're like, hey, did you know you're prideful? Their response is probably, if I was prideful, I would know I'm prideful, right? Okay, <laughs> red flag right there. 
You know, I, I love this quote. It's from a theologian. It says, knowing God without recognizing our sin makes for pride. But recognizing our own sin without knowing Jesus makes for despair. Knowing Jesus strikes the balance in the middle because Jesus shows us both God and our own brokenness. Have you all ever met somebody that knows Jesus but doesn't recognize that they are sinful? Nobody likes being around that person. (laughs) And if you're with them today, just give them a little nudge. Okay, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You know, the Bible, what I realized when I got saved about 10 years ago I got tricked into coming to New Life Church. I got saved, and uh, it was re- I was sharing uh, earlier with Justin. Uh, the day after I got saved, my father was released from prison. I was in prison the most of my life and grew up in an abusive relationship with him. Not to go into all the details, but I-, I was so jacked up, and I literally thought there's no way God could use somebody like me. The addictions, the things I've seen, the things I've said, the things I've experienced. And then I opened the word of God and I saw who Jesus chose to walk with. And I was like, oh, sweet. (laughs) Maybe I can be used. The Bible is full of people who were full of themselves, but the Bible is full of people who were full of faith as well. You look at Joshua. I just think of people who were full of pride in scripture when God asked them to do something. My response would be a little bit different than Joshua. He said, hey, march around the walls. He said six times for six days. On the seventh day, do it seven times. And then the walls will fall. I don't know about Joshua, but if it was me, I'd be like, God, I don't know what you know about marching um, or construction, but that's not really how we tear down a wall, you know? But he was obedient and the walls fall down. What if the thing that God is calling you to do in your life, you've been saying, God, that's not how you do it. And he's saying the reason the walls haven't fallen down yet is because you, are, you think that you've got a better way. You've got another guy. Name it. We can, we, there's a list of them. Hey, dip yourself into the muddy water seven times. And on the seventh time, when you rise out of the water, you will become clean. I'll be like, God, I know you know a lot about water. You kind of created it. Um, you kind of walked on it. You kind of split it and walked a lot of people through it. But did you know that muddy water makes things dirty? But obedience led to blessing. And after the seventh time, the the healing took place. Abraham, take your son to the top of the mountain. You're going to sacrifice him. I'd be like, "Uh, no, you know. (laughs) And then this is, it's so crazy. Abraham's standing with Isaac and he turns to his servants and he says, we will be back. We. He knew God would provide another way out. Goes to the top of the mountain, draws the knife on his son and God provides a ram in the thicket. Another way out. And this mountain will be called the Lord shall provide. The reason I say that is because if you are filled with pride, you may not be filled with what God wants in your life. It's very hard to have both of them. Because you would think that I have a better way to do this. For me, I wasn't the best driver. Anybody just really not that good at driving in here? You can be honest in church, okay? Oh, just me. Okay, that's cute. Um, (laughs) Your, your spouse may think otherwise, okay? Um, I, I was in high school, two weeks had my first car, and I was driving um, to school, and I, w- I was very familiar with the road that I was on. I was very comfortable, and what happened, I was driving this little Honda Civic, had my subs in the back that were just boom, boom, boom. You know, I was doing my thing, and um, hashtag Jacksonville. So um, it was a very familiar road, right? 
And uh, I was driving, and I, and I caught the side of the road. I overcorrected to the left, and then I overcorrected to the right, and I flipped that little Honda Civic upside down in a drainage ditch. I'm hanging upside down from my seatbelt, and the car is filling up with water. This is crazy. Y'all are like, yeah, y'all should imagine being me, okay? And I released myself from my seatbelt, fell down into the water, and it was like God sent an angel. This guy got me out of my car. It was amazing. But this is why I tell you that story. Why did I wreck? I was so close to home, and I was so familiar with where I was driving. Y'all ever been driving, and it's like, I don't even remember driving. That, it's kind of scary, right? <laughs> but I read a statistic this week that most wrecks happen within five miles of your home. Most people, when they get close to home, they take their seatbelt off because they feel invincible. And I started thinking about it, and we do the same thing when it comes to walking with God. Oh, I've, I've sung this song before. Oh, yeah, this passage. I, I know how this one ends, Seth. That's cute. That's awesome. Um, oh, yeah, this is my seat. This is, what, this is just what I do. And I remember when I first started coming around the things of God and Christianity and the church, I was like, the last thing I want to be around is someone who claims that they're a Christian, but their life looks nothing like Jesus. There's nothing that makes me more disgusted than seeing people who are filled with religion and have absolutely no relationship with God. We get too comfortable and we wreck our lives. I wrote down, you know, we, we get so familiar, we lose awareness. And then we end up wrecking. The second thing is familiarity can rob you of your intimacy. It can rob you of intimacy. Y'all, I believe that there are believers that get so comfortable, so just going through the motions of faith. I used to believe I'm too broken, I'm too messed up. I was addicted to pornography, I was addicted to substance, I was popping pills before games, I was addicted to steroids. There was, there was this list of things, and I was like, God, how can you use somebody like me? And he's like, if you say yes to me, not as just your savior, I didn't just die for you, I want to lead you, that's what, that's what lordship is. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And it was like step by step, the word became the, a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And I was walking with Jesus. And 10 years later, I'm standing in front of you today. Not perfect. I'm jacked up. <laughs> but I'm telling someone in here that you, you believe that you can't be reached because you've done too much. Give God a shot with your life. The word says that he's near to the brokenhearted and he, he saves the crushed in spirit. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus comes, what, to, to heal the sinners. He, he said it is uh, the, the, not the healthy that need a doctor, but the what? The sick. I've called the sinners to repentance. And I, I didn't realize this. Jesus is standing before Nazareth. And he's looking at these people, and what he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, he reads to them, and he's not even, it says that he could not do miracles there. That's a bold statement. I read that, and I was like, I'm going to need somebody to explain this one to me. Jesus couldn't? When he looks at your life, what is your, what's the posture of your heart? Is he seeing something that's full of unbelief or something that's full of faith? They were so close to seeing the power of God, but they had zero intimacy with him. They had no clue. This happens in marriage. Would y'all agree? My first date with Kendra, let me tell y'all, I knocked it out of the park. Uh, amen. Yeah. And uh, I, I, asked, I actually like physically asked her on a date. I didn't slide into her DMs. That's a word for somebody, okay? Um, 
thank you. I did it kind of awkwardly, though. I just walked up. I was like, maybe we should, like, spend some time together, you know? Um, <laughs> and I don't even know if I'm, I think I just made noises. I was so nervous. But I asked her on a date, and uh, we lived eight houses away from each other, which was kind of weird to go pick her up. But I pulled out of my driveway and, you know, just went right, right down the road, and I pulled up, knocked on the door. I had two ice-cold uh, Code Reds sitting in the cup holders because that was her favorite. We went and had hush puppies and catfish. We were so nervous, we didn't even eat. Um, and then after we left there, I had this, uh, I was coaching at a school and I had this basketball gym reserved. She was a basketball player. Your boy is not very good at basketball, okay? And uh, we walk into the gym. I had keys to the place. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and we walk in, and, and there's, like, center court. I got the lights down low, you know, and uh, I was PG-13, you know. And so um, I had Gator, Gatorade sitting half court, her favorite Gatorade. And she's just like, you thought about all of this. And we get there. She beat me in basketball, but that's a whole different uh, conversation. So, um, and we left, and, and then we went, and we met up with all of her best friends, and we watched the first and second Fast and Furious movies, which means that I really loved her because I hate those movies. Like, <laughs> anybody likes those, we need to pray, okay? Um, and I, but I, I thought through the details, and what was so intimate so quickly grew to complacency. Because if you're just married to someone, oh, they're just my spouse, Oh, this is just what I do. Oh, I'm just a Christian. If it's just the title, where is the intimacy? Something that was so intimate grew to complacency. I could tell you facts about Kendra all day. Brown hair, brown eyes. Grew up in Blyville, Arkansas. You got to say that like you got mashed potatoes in your mouth. And, uh, and she's, uh, she loves Jesus. She is the sweetest, most compassionate person. She's got a son. She's got a daughter on the way. She's married to a really humble, incredibly attractive man. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I could tell you things and then ask you, do you know my wife? And you would say, yeah. But you don't know what her fears are. You don't know what, what drives her, what, when she plants her feet in the morning, what makes her want to live for God. I know when she walks into a room and I'm not even looking. Why? Because I know her. Jesus wants that same relationship with you. He wants you to know him. I've met a lot of people that know things about Jesus, but when I look at their life, it looks nothing like Jesus. The church of Ephesus struggled with this. It says you've done all these things well, the list of things. There's, you, you've endured hardships and trials and tribulations. You've gone through all that. You've done all this stuff so well. But in verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Why? Because something that was intimate silently grew to complacent. I talked to a uh, a man after a service last weekend at GLR. He's been, he's been a, a believer for 40 years. And he said he's only, he's only lived and walked with God for one of those years. And he said, it wasn't until today that I realized that I've been completely rebellious to God because I made a decision, 12 months went by, and then everything became complacent. You know how I know if somebody has become complacent? Their best years are behind them. The best work that God's done in their life is behind them. When they tell stories about God's power in their life, it's about the past and it's not the present. The third thing I wrote down is familiarity numbs you with complacency. What does that mean? Complacency, y'all don't miss this. Complacency is not contentment. 
where contentment says that I find joy in the blessings of walking with God, complacency says I stopped walking a long time ago. And I just kind of wear the label that I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I have Jesus in my bio on social media. I pray, but it's kind of weird when I pray, right? Like, I, I, I kind of just walk through the motions. Christian contentment. It means that no matter what happens, you're fully satisfied in Jesus. But Christian complacency means no matter what happens, you're fully satisfied in yourself. In your own power, your own might, your own strength. Uh, Y'all, there's people who have lived for God for years, and I never knew that they were Christians. Like, in in the world's eyes, when you look like, oh, that's a Christian, I was like, like the worst of these. I used to make fun of believers. I used to ridicule the church. And then I was at a private Christian school playing baseball in college, and I was around people who would beat people up with the Bible. And I remember looking at their lives, and I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. And then I realized that Jesus wants to be in in an intimate relationship with me. This is not something that we play church. This is not some place where I lift my hands for a funny feeling. Jesus wants me to know him. But people who are complacent don't even realize that they are. I wrote down a couple red flags that help you know. If you are complacent, you've started to compare yourself to other broken people instead of the holiness of God's word. Well, I'm not as bad as they are. Another red flag. These are all things I have walked through. You've started to trust in your own ability and not what God can do through you. You've become very comfortable in the culture that we live in. We just share things because everybody else is sharing things on social media. But when we look at the message behind what is being shared, does that really exemplify the the love of Jesus Christ? The last one I, I have is, your, aware, your awareness is high, but your action is low. It means you, you have a lot of things that you know, but your life is not modeling for the people in your workplace, the people in your family, the people in your church, the, the, the brother, the sister, the uncle, the mom, the dad that desperately needs you to live out your faith in your family, which is, by the way, one of the hardest areas to represent Jesus. But why? Because they know who you are. I believe God's wanting some people to step out in faith. I love what Augustine said. He said, we love the truth when it enlightens us, but we hate it when it convicts us. I love the truth when it's talking about everybody else, but when it starts spotlighting the sin in my life, oh man, that's when it gets a little uncomfortable, right? What would it look like if we looked at people and we said, you know what, they're broken, but I am too. That person, I don't agree with what they're sharing. I don't agree with what they're saying, but they are a sinner just like I am. They desperately need the love of God, just like I do. What would happen in the church if that is what we were known for? I think some things would change. Amen? The last thing I wrote down is that familiarity destroys you with insanity. Y'all, ever, y'all know what insanity is? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting what? Have you ever done it? They named a whole workout routine after insanity. I was like, that's the dumbest branding I've ever heard doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, right? We we do this with God. We do this in our marriages. We do this raising our kids. 
I started thinking about this, and it reminded me of my ninth grade football team, funny enough. We went defeated, um, not undefeated. We lost every game. And uh, I'll never forget homecoming night. Uh, yeah, I know. Don't judge me. Uh, I was a linebacker, um, and I loved hitting people. And uh, I just, I loved it. And that we were playing Sylvan Hills. I still don't like them to this day. Um, and this guy runs up the middle. He looked like he should have been playing offensive line. He was, he was a, a man, like full beard, everything, ninth grade. And, and I hit him, and I fell down. Like, I mean, I hit him. What I didn't know was this was the beginning of my first concussion, okay? And, uh, y'all, I was knocked out. But nobody knew it around me. And so I, I was the captain on defense, and, and my teammates told me stories, even to this day, they hold it over my head. I started calling offensive plays on defense. I started lining up on the wrong side of the ball. I, they didn't know, but I was like throwing up on the sideline. I'm like, where was my coach at? Like, this is Jacksonville for you. know. I'm just like, what is going on? I'm kidding. But I, they ended up taking me to the hospital. I was in the hospital for several days. And my mom told me that the doctor, he kept looking at me, and he, was, he, he would say, what is your name? And she said, y'all, I'm not making this up. She, she said I would look at him and I would start crying. I'd be like, Tom. That's Tom Boley is my last name. I was like halfway there, you know. Tom, mom, is that it? And she said I was just a mess. And the doctor was like, you can't go home yet, you know. <laughs> and that's funny, but like some of y'all got hit so hard this last year, you forgot who you are. And the truth is, is that if the world continue, continues to shake you, and if everything that is happening in politics determines where you stand with Jesus, and if everything that's on the news, and everything that's on social media, everything, no, 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 don't miss this. If that is what determines your love for Jesus, it's going to be a really tough road. I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit to convict me. I need the Word of God to lead me. I don't want anything else to lead me. I think that we've, got, we've gotten off track. And I'm saying we because, man, the last year was hard for a lot of people. But what happened? We got hit. We got knocked down. And I'm not diluting anything that people experience. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. But what I am saying is that if we draw near to Jesus, I believe that there's healing that begins to take place. And so if you would, across the room, if you would stand to your feet, we're about to go back into worship. I'm going to read the end of that scripture again from Isaiah. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. This is for you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Some of you are here this morning and you are, are still defining yourself by what happened. And Jesus isn't saying that you just need to discredit it. He's saying, give it to me. That's what the cross was all about. I didn't die for you so that you can continue to live in rebellion and, and live in sin. I died for you so that you could accept me, so that you could be in relationship with the Father. So across the room, if you would just close your eyes, I want to ask you again, when Jesus looks at your life, what does he marvel at? Does he marvel at your faith? Or does he marvel at your unbelief? That's not for me to make you feel bad. That's between you and the Lord. So right now across the room, I believe God is speaking to some people who have been believers for a long time. And I think that there's some stirring happening inside of you. 
God's saying, hey, that thing that I asked you to do seven years ago, let's give it a shot again. Hey, that, that business I asked for you to start, would you have faith in me and start it? Hey, that, that relationship that needs to be restored, would you forgive that person so that freedom could be taken place? So across this room, if you are in this place and you want to go from complacency to intimacy in Jesus, will you just slip your hand up? I wanna pray for you. I see you guys, you're not alone. I see you. I see you. You can lower your hands. I'm gonna pray for you in a second. If you are in this place and you have never put faith in Jesus Christ, let me tell you, everything doesn't get perfect. For me, a lot of things got harder because God was asking me to get rid of some things that I've been carrying my whole life. And so if you're in this place and you wanna put faith in Jesus Christ, this is what the word says. It says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus came, that he died on a cross, that he resurrected, and he did that because you are sinful and that you are broken and that you are in desperate need of a savior. When you do that, it says that you inherit eternal life. Jesus comes into your heart and he begins to lead you with his spirit. And so right now, I'm not gonna point you out or make you feel weird, but this is what I wanna tell you to do. If you are making that decision for the first time, or maybe you're recommitting your life to Jesus, would you please, for the love of Jesus, let someone know about it? Because the worst thing you could do is make a decision here and walk out and go back into just the normal things of life. God wants to surround you with the community, and that's what this church is about. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.